The reading for today is John 8, 31 through 36. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of the Lord. I just wanted to say that was crazy. That was the hardest thing I've ever done at church. Um, But this is what's so cool about being in your first year being a pastor is now we know we don't have to do that next year, right? We'll just say it. All right. Um, There's so many awesome texts that I wanted to preach on this week. Um, You don't always get to the opportunity to read or preach on Revelation, and Revelation is one of my favorites, Um, but I'm not going to preach on Revelation today. I'll probably do that next week, because it's All Saints Day. Um, Instead, I just am going to stick with the guns of the gospel, because the gospel is great. It's it's actually, we hear in the Revelation reading, it's an eternal gospel, which is a great promise that though heaven and earth will pass away... God's word, the gospel, will not. And so all of the terrible things that happen to us in this life, all of the weird institutions that keep us down, all that stuff, it's all going to pass away. But God's word won't, because it's eternal. But besides that, uh, I wanted to briefly introduce to you the idea of poor houses. Have you ever heard of poor houses? Okay, so like in the UK or England, say, if you couldn't pay for something, you couldn't pay a debt, then they would just put you in jail. Uh, They would put you in jail to like basically be a slave uh, as you were a prisoner. And you just work in the coal mine, work in the salt mine all day long until your debt was paid off. But they could pay you whatever they wanted, right? So... It was a pretty terrible time to be alive. There's no time like the present, though. Um, And essentially, um, if anyone here is familiar with Handel's Messiah, right? So hallelujah, hallelujah, right? Easter, right? Um, When that came out, Handel was poor. He was passe. Uh, People weren't thinking of Handel. They weren't going out on a Friday night to go see Handel's latest thing, right? Um, And basically he just said, hey, I'm going to do this magnus opus about Jesus' life, uh, call it Messiah, and uh, then hang up my hat and give up, you know? Um, I've recently learned that throwing your towel doesn't mean to give up, it means to start. So hang up your hat, I've been saying a lot recently. Um, Anyways... He also says, I don't have any money, whatever, Uh, so all the proceeds from this concert will go to uh, the people of the poorhouse. They're always looking for money. And so uh, 
they do their first performance at a church in London, and it is wildly successful, and they do it every night for weeks and weeks, and it makes lots of money. And in the process, he pays for all of the slaves, the prisoners in the poorhouse, to be freed from their debt and freed from their slavery. And I think that's a beautiful image. And I think it's a Christian image. And I think it's only right that Handel's Messiah liberated those people from that poorhouse. Uh, and a few other ones as well, once they had freed everybody. And I think it's important for us to remember stories like this, because this is the story of the Bible. And this is the story later of the Reformation. This is... Um, what Nate so graciously read for us from Romans. This is, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all slaves to sin. But by Jesus' grace, by his mercy, as a gift, he has paid for our sins. He has set us free. And it's so easy to forget that. And we often do forget that. Jesus set us free from slavery and sin. And that's the kind of freedom that Jesus talks about today in the gospel. Because so often the world, history, people, even Christians, they forget. um, In the same way that when Jesus is talking to these Jews today in the gospel, it says, Jews who once believed in Jesus as the Messiah which should make you sad. They've given it up. They've hung up their hats. When Jesus says, I will set you free with my word, they say, we have never been slaves to anyone. We're children of Abraham. But everyone here that's been to Sunday school at least once knows that God's people were slaves in Egypt, right? Right? Some even go as far to say they built the pyramids. Uh, But uh, I don't know, where's Ken? We all know who built the pyramids. Um, Anyways, God's word in this time through the incarnate word of Jesus Christ had to remind his people that they were once slaves. And part of who God is is that he delivered them from slavery. And he still delivers He still delivers them out of slavery. He delivered them out of exile, as we talked about last week. And he's here now in Jesus Christ to deliver them out of what? You know, the emptiness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the emptiness of, uh, um, you know, Second Temple Judaism. You know, worshiping only in Hebrew, but no one spoke Hebrew. All those kinds of crazy things that Jesus had to come and remind them of. And this, you know, this happens a million times before Luther, but I think it's important to talk about Martin Luther on Reformation Day, because just the other day I was talking about Martin Luther and how it was going to be Reformation Day, and someone said, wait, did Martin Luther King Jr., did he die on the 31st? I said, no, actually the guy that he's named after. Uh, Yeah, so, anyways... Martin Luther wasn't the first one to reform. First, we had Wycliffe, 
Uh, I, my wife told me all about Wycliffe when we first were dating. Wycliffe, 14th century reformer. He did all of his work in English. You guys would love it. Um, he fought for the Bible to be in the English language for, you know, the people there. And uh, the, he fought for the idea that one was saved by grace through faith. And he fought for the supreme authority of the scriptures. And then Jan Hus of Bohemia. If you like dumplings, you know, bread dumplings. Bohemia. Right? He was burned at the stake for promoting Wycliffe's ideas and trying to translate the Bible into the language of his people. And then, you know, a hundred years later, Luther is born and he tries to do the same thing. And they tried to kill him, too. They put out a little thing saying, you know, not only if you kill him, it's OK, you'll actually get, you know, time out of purgatory if you kill Martin Luther, which like it's like, you know, two birds, one stone. Right. Anyways, the idea is one plants the seeds of God's word, one waters, and then others get to harvest. Right. And that's what we all get to do. We all get to take part in in this Reformation heritage is maybe you're the one that plants the seeds in your neighbor's heart. The person at work's heart when you tell them about Jesus for the first time, when you witness to them, or maybe you're the one watering a faith that has already been planted. And maybe you're the one that gets to harvest and be good Christian friends with them. You never know. Anyway, sometimes even ourselves we forget. We fixate on this idea of being free, but we never think about who set us free, what we are enslaved to, or you know, what does being free even mean? Let me tell you, it doesn't mean liberty. Because Jesus is confronted by this weird, gross irony when he talks to these Jewish people. And they're, they, they're celebrating the Feast of Shelters, the Feast of Booths. We don't celebrate this one anymore. It's a Jewish feast where you spend a week sleeping in a temporary hut that you've built to remember that you were delivered out of slavery in Egypt and you had to wander through the desert, you know, and all this stuff that you dwell in these, you know, temporary huts in this life. And we're looking forward to, you know, the everlasting home of uh, paradise. And it's also to celebrate the joy that they now had this permanent, beautiful temple that wasn't a temporary and not permanent hut out there. And that's why it is so ironic that when Jesus brings up the idea of being set free, it's so weird and strange that they say, set free? Set free from who? Set free from what? We have never been slaves. We're children of Abraham. What is going on? You know, I don't know how Jesus doesn't say, what are you talking about? Remember when you were slaves in Egypt? We're here in Jerusalem living in these temporary shelters that we've built. Has this really just become a tradition to you, a big sleepover? We've forgotten that the only reason we're doing this is to remember we were slaves. But I think it's because Jesus says such shocking things. That's really why they have this knee-jerk reaction and say something, probably one of the stupidest things anyone said in the Bible. And so that's why when Jesus says, 
abide in my word. No one really knows what abide means anymore. So to dwell, to live, live in my word, take residence in my word. It was shocking. Because remember, they're in the temple when he says this. Psalm 1 says to meditate on the word day and night. This is when you, how you become a blessed man or woman. Abide in it. But they're in the temple. They're like, what do you mean abide in your word? We're in the temple where God has chosen to abide here on earth. Never forget that Jesus is the fullness of God dwelling amongst us in bodily form. Wherever Jesus is, is where the true temple is. Because the fullness of God dwells in him. Anyways, the Jews, they say, we are offspring of Abraham. We were never enslaved to anybody. How could they forget? Well, that's where God's word, it comes back to remind them of what and who God is. God the Deliverer delivers from slavery, delivers from exile, delivers from confusion, and this is his goal. Unfortunately, the Jews here, they believe that just because by blood they were sons of Abraham, they would get grandfathered in as though like they signed up for unlimited data back in the day and then got grandfathered in to an unlimited plan that no longer exists. Ridiculous. Well, it's easy to forget when you think you have this grandfathered in clause. And even though many, if not most people, do not even remember who Martin Luther is, often we encounter the idea that just because I'm a Lutheran or just because I'm offspring of Luther, I get to go to heaven. It's actually pretty crazy, and you think I'm joking, but I've seen it in people's eyes and in their face as I'm talking to them. Um, it goes all the way down the rabbit hole just because, you know, I'm related to, like, I don't know, a charter member, or I have my name on a membership role at a church, I get to go to heaven. No one ever tells me, or hasn't happened yet, I am going to go to heaven because Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and I believe in him. And so, that's how it becomes easy to even say, well, Jesus died for my sins, I don't have to forgive. I don't have to admit I'm wrong. It's terrible. It's the exact opposite of the heritage of the Reformation. But thanks be to God, we have Jesus' word. And he always brings his word back, even after years and years of it being withdrawn in judgment, just as he did in the exile. Jesus returns in body, in his word, and says and makes it clear, truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And this is the crux of the sermon. 
all you who are filling out sermon reports for confirmation class. Whenever you are sinning, whenever you sin, no matter how great or small, you are acting as a slave to sin. You are responding to that pull of the, uh, the reins in your mouth. And the devil is pulling those reins and you're responding to it because you're living as a slave to sin. But when you abide, when you live, when you dwell in God's word, you are set free from it. And so Jesus unpacks his own statement gives an illustration, an illustration that will last forever, be an enduring gospel, which is much abounded on in the epistles. And we even said in our, um, in the, the very, very confusing to sing creed, when we talk about Jesus as our older brother, which is very cool. Um, Jesus says, the slave doesn't remain in the house forever, which is, A hard reality to ponder, but think about it. The slave doesn't dwell in the house forever. He goes and sleeps in a slave quarters. He can be bought or sold or even, you know, what, like killed, uh, auctioned off. You don't want to be a slave. But he says the son remains in the house forever. You don't want to remain a slave, even a slave to sin. You want the Son to set you free, which is what Jesus says the Son does. How does Jesus set us free as the Son? He fulfills the law for us. He dies under the law for us as perfect and rises again for us, for you, for me. And when we believe in this by faith, we are made righteous. We're made holy, clean perfect before the Father. And this Reformation Day, people, many people wearing red, this is what the church forgot. Is that Jesus died under this perfect law for us and then rose again. And him rising again means that it was a perfect sacrifice. He ought not to have been killed. He ought not to have died. It makes everything that Jesus said true. The entirety of the Reformation, the entirety of all of this boils down to something very simple. Reduced. Right? You boil down wine when you're making soup. It makes almost a syrupy, flavorful thing, a reduction. It all boils down to this. Did God do everything? Is it all a gift? Or did I help in some way? Well, let me lay it out clear. The Roman church taught that God starts, you finish. The Anabaptists taught that you start, God finishes. But we firmly insist, as the scriptures say, our faith, all of it, is entirely God's gift. And so the confessions, the founding documents of our church body, something that I vowed to interpret the scriptures with, they describe faith as a hand, the hand that holds. 
God puts this gift into your hand, you can choose to throw it away. You can drop it. You can choose to, too slow, not even catch it in the first place. You can choose to give it away. But we drove through Iowa over the last few days. Where's my wife? We drove through Iowa, and you know what they say in Iowa? You can do any of those things with your, with your dollar, your gift, but I suggest you hold on to it and buy a farm. All right? I suggest you hold on to that faith. And this is why I chose today's cover image. I think it's worth peeking at. Your immediate uh, reaction is to just kind of glaze over it because it's just a bunch of dudes like in a black and white photo looking at books. Um, but the reason why I picked it is even though he's in the center, I like that it was everyone is the same size. Everyone gets equal space in this photo. It doesn't focus on Martin Luther. There's a lot of pictures of Martin Luther like alone in his study like and a divine image coming down or uh, light coming down and you know, like lots of pictures like that. But here he's just one of the other people that is doing the hard work of what they're doing together. And what they're doing together is beautiful. They're translating God's word into their mother tongue, into German. What everyone spoke back in the day in the realm of the Reformation, the Holy Roman Empire, right? And that's why today's color is red. It's because what we're doing here is an extension of Pentecost. If anyone remembers what Pentecost is, it was Jesus or sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit appears in tongues of flame over everyone in attendance in Jerusalem. And they begin to hear Peter's sermon, God's word, in the language that they speak. And everyone was confused. God was making a firm decision and statement on that day of Pentecost. God's word, his word, his gospel is not only eternal, but it is for all languages. It mustn't be Arabic in a Quran. It mustn't stay Hebrew in a Torah. It is to be heard in all languages, and specifically the language that your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, your best friend says, I love you in your heart language. And because God's word reminds us of who God is, that he rescues often and he will rescue you even today from slavery, whether it be from sin or actual slavery, physical slavery, which there are more slaves in the world now than there ever have been. He promises that he will continue to deliver. Literally not deliver you a package, but will take you, pick you up and put you somewhere else. And that somewhere else is better than where you were. Because where you were was slavery to sin. And he has set you free. He has made you sons and daughters. He has made you little brothers, little sisters to Jesus. So please fear, love, and trust in him above all things. Amen. Amen.